Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Welcome to the podcast. Radio. Just search Gold FM. Nothing but sport. Join Darcy Walnagrave on the biggest hour of sport. It's Sports Talk, 7 to 8 p.m. Tuesday to Friday. Opinion and interviews. All the sport you can handle. Listen and follow on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. News Talk ZB. Gumboots, they are wonderful. Gumboots, they are swell. Because they keep out the water and they keep in the smell. And when you're sitting around at home, you can always tell when one of the trips has taken off his gumboots. G'day, New Zealand. This is the country. Jamie Mackay, Rowena Duncan, Tessa the Apprentice in the studio as well. Fred Dag, John Clark kicking it off. It is Golden Gumboot Day today on the country. Time to hand out the gongs. Rowena for the Golden Gumboot Awards. It is indeed. We're going to announce the winners of all 10 categories as well as the amazing prizes. I'm really jealous I wanted to win some of these, but no, they're going to good homes. And let's just um, duck for cover and plead the Fifth Amendment on this one. The winners were chosen by Auckland, yeah. not by Dunedin. And that's one of the realities of being in this show, Jamie. We know a lot of people who enter our competitions. Uh, only our immediate family are not legally allowed to win them. So we've had to say, look, we can't choose winners anymore. It's just getting too difficult. So, yep, our team up in Auckland, who don't know any of the entrants, have chosen the winners. Well, someone in Auckland is almost like family is Phil Duncan. Weather with Phil Duncan, thanks to NetSpeed. Warm up with the hottest deals on rural broadband. Call NetSpeed, 0800 638 Sorry about the wee pause there, Jamie. I lost my mouse. <laughs> it's not the only <laughs> thing you've lost today. Um, uh, Phil Duncan, how was that for brotherly love? That was an amazing segue. Thank you so much. All right. Rip into it. Uh, we're into August. Um, <laughs> we've got a bit of a wintry blast coming, but often August and September can be buggers a month. Yeah, they can. And, you know, today is the end of the solar winter. That's the 12 weeks of the year with the least amount of available sunlight, six weeks either side of the shortest day of the year. So that ends today. But often, as you just pointed out, can be a bit of a signal that now we get kind of the the depths of winter. Because even though we've seen some warming up lately because of the way the air patterns have been, um, August is a little bit like how we get the delayed effect of summer in February after the longest day sort of around Christmas time. It takes about six, seven, eight weeks, and then we're in peak summer. No different in winter. We're getting into peak winter now, although northern New Zealand arguably spring is starting to arrive, but down further the rest of the country, this week it's going to be pretty hard to suggest that. We, it's going to feel pretty wintry for the whole week ahead, but yeah, overall I think um, we're doing pretty well considering the time of year and what we've had so far thrown at us. Um, this year's been a little more challenging, I think, more with the rain events rather than the cold. I guess if you're a ski field on the South Island, or the North Island for that matter, you'll welcome a bit of snow even if you can't welcome any Aussies. That's right, and you know, there's a lot of um, lot of New Zealanders who love winter. They love the cold, frosty mornings and, and the beautiful afternoons, uh, and even some of the wintry, sort of stormy conditions that we get. So, I mean, the weather at the moment 
everyone's going to be happy at some point because we're getting everything thrown at us. And unfortunately, um, the downside is that places like Hawke's Bay, which were very warm over the weekend, are still missing out on rain. And so the setup really in our Climate Watch update that we've just launched for the month of uh, August, we are expecting the eastern side to still stay drier than it should be. Yeah, and they do need some recharge before they get into to, uh, spring and summer. OK, Phil, anything else to add? Because we've got some winners to announce. No, that's really about it. It's just a, it's a bit of a rough week this week. I guess one more feature is, is the wind tomorrow. Um, usual sort of gale southerlies in Wellington, but it's really up around Auckland and northern rural Auckland and getting into Northland. Those areas could be exposed to damaging wind gusts for a time tomorrow. A proper, true sort of southwester coming in. And that's um, another wind tunnel, just like Cook Strait and Fovo Strait. So is the Auckland area for those sorts of winds. Good on you, Phil. Love you like a brother. Cheers. Thank you very much, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, more like older brother, thanks, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Fair enough. I'll go with that. <laughs> Phil Duncan there, favourite weatherman. I always say that unless Chris Brandolino from me was listening, of course. Right, let's get into it. Category one, best country pub, thanks to my favourite pub. Well, my favourite beer producer's Emerson's. Dunedin, born and brewed. Yeah, well, the winner of the Golden Gummit Trophy for 2021 is... Uh, the Woolshed Tavern in Reparoa. So this was nominated by Phil Butler. Uh, and in his nomination, he says, This pub truly embraces rural community feel. They host the young farmers, the pig hunting club, Thirsty Thursdays, Locals Night, among other events. It's a warm, fun environment to have a weekly catch-up to improve our mental health, enjoy banter on rugby happenings and sort out the problems of the world and the government. And Tessa, what does he take home? Yeah, so by making the winning nomination, Phil Butler will receive a year's supply of Emerson's Fun Packs. And there's a lot of fun on those packs, <laughs> Phil, I can tell you that. Yeah, and they're at the value of $1,000. Fantastic. Is this Sam Kane's local? Uh, it is Sam Kane's local, yep. So there we go, the first award in the Golden Gumboots, the best country pub, thanks to Emerson's. Category two, the best on-farm style, thanks to AgMatch, online farming community. We've got some of their jerseys. They're fantastic. So these guys are after better returns for crossbred wool achieved by absolute quality, well-targeted product and design. Try one of those AgMatch jerseys. There's the, I'll give you the hint. Yeah, they are absolutely amazing. So the winner of the Golden Gumboot Trophy for 2021 is... And this is a little cute. This is Shona Rogers, who was nominated by Jason Rogers, who says, I nominate my beautiful wife because she's always keen to get in behind a good cause and support it no matter where she is or what she's doing. And he also sent in a photo of her supporting Wig Wednesday to support his nomination. Tess, what does he take home? Uh, so by making the nomination, Jason Rogers will receive four pairs of Agwell socks and two Agwell jerseys and one Ag Match membership valued at $1,057. So well, two of those Agwell jerseys, Jamie, that we absolutely love. Jason, you are going to love them. More Golden Gumboot Awards as the hour progresses. But up next, it's Dairyman. Yeah, Craig Hickman, one of the highest profile farmers on social media. And we're going to encourage you, amongst other things to donate to the IHC Calf and Rural Scheme. Plus, the last time we chatted to him was during the terrible flooding in mid-Canterbury. We'll get an update of what's happening in that province. Where would you be? You'd be in the hospital or infirmary. The last time we chatted to our next guest on the country was Monday, May 31, right at the height of that terrible 
disastrous, awful flooding in mid-Canterbury. His name is Craig Hickman. People on social media will know him as Dairy Man. He has a very high profile. He certainly leads the charge in promoting uh, the industry. Um, Craig Hickman, just before we get on to the IHC calf scheme, because you're a, a long-time committed supplier there, how's the flood recovery going in mid-Canterbury? Uh, it's uh, it's nice to see that the government's come to the party. There's, um, I, I think what people outside of the area don't understand is, is uh, flooding in other parts of the country deposits silt, which is bad enough to to deal with. But in, in Canterbury, it deposits rocks, and uh, and they need to be shifted before you can can use the land again. And uh, of course, those, those flood banks are put there to. Um, Save the whole community, and, and when they uh, when they burst, very few farmers bear the brunt of it. So they'll be very happy to be getting some support to to clear that up. Yeah, because that terrible flooding happened at the end of May, beginning of June. But there's been another event since then, and I heard the example of one farmer who had refenced eight kilometres of fencing, only have it to have it wiped out again. That is so incredibly difficult to deal with. It is, uh, and um, I mean, at least with the, the first lot of flooding, we were um, everything was dry. Uh, there were uh, some winter crops ended up underwater, but this uh, the second event, of course, we were right at the start of calving, and it's uh, certainly no fun trying to manage the cows and. In that weather. You're an equity manager on a dairy farm in mid-Canterbury, which means you've got a serious amount of skin in the game. How are you getting on with labour on your farm this year? Have you got enough? Yeah, I've, uh, I'm very lucky again in that um, I've retained most of my staff. I think the one's been here with me for, for seven years and the, the uh, shortest period of time I've had a person here is, is two years. Had uh, Out of my five staff, I've, I've had one leave and uh, managed to pick up a local person quite quite easily to fill that gap. So I'm, I'm fully staffed with, with just one new person. But I am hearing some absolute horror stories out there of, of people trying to to attract staff with no luck at all. And you're a really good example of young people, back in the day, Craig, uh, getting into the dairy industry, because I think you were a retail sales advertising manager for LV Martin. You, so so you're probably selling vacuum cleaners rather than milking cows. They both work on <laughs> suction. I was uh, I was writing writing copy for them um, for for their advertising yeah for for five years but it's uh, straight out of university um, but it's just I think ninety six is when I went farming and and it was just at the at the edge where where people were starting to look at uh, career changes and um, and and I did the maths and uh, and even taking a, a pay cut I was certainly certainly no worse off going and, and living in the country and uh, and farming than I was. Um, Staying in the city and uh, and dealing with the health issues that sitting in front of a computer all day was was uh, giving me. I was very lucky to uh, get the right employer, and it's been onwards and upwards since then. And no doubt those copywriting skills have served you well in social media, where you're a bit of a hit, if you don't mind me saying. So, look, I want to talk to you. You've, you've talked about being a dairy farmer or in the industry for something like 26 years. All that all that time, you've been involved in the IHC calf scheme. Tell me your first introduction to it well my my first employer jim grayling in the uh in the waikato i noticed a, a calf with a pink tag in his ear and i i asked him what that was and he said that's a donation to ihc and i 
I was a bit puzzled, and I asked him why he was giving away a a perfectly good, big, robust, healthy calf. And he looked puzzled in turn and said, well, it's just what you do. And uh, and that's been the attitude ever since. It, it's just what you do. If you, you can afford to do it, you just you just do it. There's no second thoughts. I actually don't need to ring you every year and say, are you donating a calf or two calves? Because we most definitely are donating calves. And Greg Miller from the IHC fundraising team tells me that your calves are some of the finest in the country. So well done. Well, it's excellent to hear. Um, uh, well, if you're going to make a donation, you've, uh, you might as well make it a good one. Yeah, indeed. So it's carving. The calves are hitting the ground right as we speak. You guys are flat out. But just put it to the front of dairy farmers' mind because you are leading the charge in the primary sector to uh, put a pink air tag into one or two of those and uh, help out a really good cause, the IHC Calf and Rural Scheme. Yeah, and it's, it's not just just the farmers. We're donating the cows. Pine Gold Guinness uh, or, or PGG Wrightson, sorry, are, are donating their their auction time. The, uh, the the transport companies pick them up and transport them for free. So it's it's the rural communities coming together to support a, a worthy cause. We we just happen to be the ones who uh, rear and donate the cows. But there's a lot a lot of cogs in that machine. Well, Craig Hickman, a.k.a. Dairyman, I know you're flat out carving. Thanks for some of your time. Thanks for being such a great ambassador for such a great cause. No worries. I'll talk to you again, Jane. Good value always. Craig Hickman there. Now, if you want to donate, go to the website ihc.org.nz forward slash rural. And if you can't remember that, just Google IHC and rural or IHC and calf and you will go straight there. Right, the Golden Gumboots continues. Category, the Golden Gumboot Awards that is. Category 3, best number 8 wire solution thanks to our friends at TrackMap. Yeah, this is the revolutionary in-cab GPS system and cloud-based job management system which enables you to send jobs wirelessly from your desktop or your mobile device. Uh, track progress, receive all the data you need from every job as well. All without the stress or errors of paperwork so it ensures accuracy, prevents mistakes and drives efficiency. But like me, Jamie. Uh, so winner of the Golden Gumbit Trophy. Did you mention mistakes in there? Yeah. <laughs> 2021 is... Johan Van Ras. Now, his uh, nomination here was a, a simple anywhere on farm uh, or off farm uh, electric fence solution. So, since we've got Wi Fi, this is what he writes at the cow shed for their ProTrack gate. Uh, he's actually purchased a $50 Wi Fi enabled plug and put his electric fence unit on it. So, now with the app on his phone, Jamie, uh, he can turn his fence power off anywhere, anytime, which comes in really handy when he needs to fix a fence on the spot. Or when there is a short. Yeah, saves you How getting a shot. Right, okay. Um, what does he win, Tessa? And so for the prize, Johan will receive a one year TrackMap subscription. Thanks yeah, to the team fantastic. from TrackMap. On to category four best farm dog. Thanks to Phoenix Pet Food Premium Grain Free Dog Food. Grain free? Yep. Grain All free. meat. Yep, yep. So it doesn't uh, like make the dog's digestive system react if they are. Uh, Obviously not wanting grain in there. So it's New Zealand and Australian owned, uh, made by locals for locals. And the winner of the Golden Gumbo Trophy for 2021 is a dog called 
Bear. Now, this has been nominated uh, by John of withheld his surname uh, for privacy reasons because uh, John's nomination says that Bear has been a constant friend and companion during his battle with depression over the last few years. Along with his wife and daughter, he doesn't know where he would be right now without Bear. He says he's with me 24-7 at home and at work. Being 12 and a half years old, he still thinks he's a puppy and is in a constant pain in the ass on the beach. I hope I can say that on the radio. But they love him dearly. So, Tess, by making that nomination, John John and Bear will take home. Yes, congratulations, John. You have received a year's supply of Phoenix dog, dog food valued at $1,000. Fantastic, Brain guys. Grain-free all meat, eh? That, yeah. sounds, like, that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh, we need what to, a great prize. We need to take a break. On the other side of it, uh, we might do rural news and sports news. Coming up before the end of the hour, David Stevens, Deer Farmer, Environment Southland Councillor. What did he let himself in for uh, doing that job? And today's panel, uh, Stephen Harris, a woke correspondent from Central <laughs> Hawke's Bay, and Grant McNational McCullum. I'm not sure whether he'll be crying or laughing about the latest TV3 <laughs> poll, is it a Nielsen poll? Uh, read uh, research. Read research or whatever. Interesting times politically in this country. Plus, plus uh, how are they getting on? They're both flat out carving and lambing. And we've got, yeah, rural news and sports news next. Join Brian Waddle and Jeremy Coney each week as they discuss and dissect all the latest news from the cricketing world. New Zealand's best cricket podcast on the front foot. Do you think England bowled well at him? I sensed early on he struggled against the short ball. As soon as he got going and he realised the ball was moving, the trademark use of the crease coming over, we haven't seen that before, you and I. All the big issues, all the big names on the front foot. Listen and follow on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. News Talk ZB. Go directly inside the game with Rugby Direct. Listen each week to get the latest from the rugby world. Rugby Direct is the podcast for real rugby fans. Every angle, every moment, every opinion with Rugby Direct. Home for all things rugby. Call yourself a real rugby fan? Follow it on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Rugby Direct, powered by Newstalk ZB. It is 28 after 12. You're with the country. Golden Gumboot Awards Day. We've had four of our ten categories. Do you want me to go through the sports news before you do your rural news? Are you ready, Rowena? Yeah, no, you go sport. Here you go. Sport with AFCO. Kiwi to the bone since 1904. 12.58. That's when Lisa Carrington hits the water. Now, canoe racing New Zealand boss Tom Ashley is backing Lisa Carrington to cope with the unprecedented demands of a Tokyo campaign over the next few days. The double Olympic champion starts the defence of her... Sorry about knocking my mic there. K1 200 title this afternoon, along with her campaign in the K2 500. And if that's not enough, she'll also chase medals in the K1 500 and the K4 500. Ashley says her preparation has been meticulous. Carrington lines up, at, as I said, at 12.58, two minutes away from one for her first K1 200 heat. She will also race in other heats this afternoon. It's a huge day on the water off Inoshima where Peter Burling and Blair Chuk will enter the medal race in the 49ers class with a four-point lead over their nearest rivals. Snow or Paul Snow Hansen and Daniel Wilcox are fifth in the men's 470s heading into their last two races before the medal race. Remember, double points in the medal race. Uh, the New Zealand eventing team 
chaser medal in the teams and individual competition in the day three event tonight or in the three day event tonight. Day three is of course show jumping, right? I think so. I yeah, haven't we'll actually go with that. With yeah. I, I watched the cross country yesterday. Oh, wasn't it amazing? Yeah. Um, the, gee, there's. Yeah, it's and I amazing. watched dressage on Friday. So. Oh, the, what. <clears throat> Weightlifter Laurel Hubbard starts her campaign in the women's over 87 kilogram class, and that's all I have to say on that story. Okay, let's go to rural news. The country's rural news with Lawnmaster, hardworking products for hardworking Kiwis since 1946. Visit steelfort.co.nz for your local stockist. Looking great news for rural news. Uh, the New Zealand red meat sector continues to perform strongly with overall exports reaching $937 million in June. This is up 16% year on year. According to the latest stats from the Meat Industry Association, sheep meat was up 15%, uh, beef exports up 8%, co-products up 40%, uh, which is really, really good to see. Suma Karapiva, Chief Executive of the Meat Industry Association, says China was once again the largest overall market in June, with exports worth $377 million, up 37%. Uh, and obviously, uh, she says China's domestic pork production continues to be affected by African swine fever, resulting in demand for, uh, demand for high volumes of imported meat. Now, earlier this morning, I stood in for Brian Kelly on the Country Sport Breakfast, managed to catch Sir David Fagan, uh, possibly the world's greatest shearer, while he was waiting to catch a plane to chat about the Blackfern Sevens. Uh, Sarah Hidney obviously paying an emotional tribute to her mother, Ronnie Goss, who was an absolute legend of wool handling. Sir David Fagan had this to say. You know, I had the pleasure of being in teams with Ronnie and, and particularly over to Trans-Tasman in Australia and always full of life and that big smile and just I never ever saw her get angry or get sad. It was She was just smiling at everything. And it's amazing to see what is happening in the sevens with that whole sevens team. It's it's almost like her um, attitude has gone right through it. And it's pretty special watching Sarah and watching that team, knowing the connection with the sharing industry with Ronnie and the way Sarah dedicated her win of the gold medal to her mum the other night. It was pretty emotional for everyone, I think, and um, an inspiration really for, for everyone. It was special to watch that team over there. I, I really enjoyed it was heart-stopping against Fiji. They made it hard to yeah. watch, but aren't they doing amazingly well? Yep. She was the MVP, wasn't she? I reckon. Yep. Sarah Hirony. She... As Portia I, Woodman's As I said to you this morning, it's the old-fashioned, take it up the guts, yep. lead yep. from the front like Richie. Yeah. She there is the Richie. She's the Richie McCaw of the Blackburn Sevens. Indeed. Rightio, let's continue on. And we've had a couple of queries about people who haven't picked up all the Golden Gumboot Awards winners. Uh, Tessa, they will be, no doubt, on our Facebook page and also on our website after we get off air, right? Yes, they will be. We'll be posting Excellent. some photos. Right, we're into category, he said, flicking his page over, category five. Oh, this is an exciting one. Best my mind, thanks to Agritech. Imports, comfy cow, 30ml non-slip rubber matting, easily installed by existing farm staff with existing equipment. Standoff and feeding pads can be used for longer periods, leading to happier stock, better production, better pasture growth and reduced pugging. And we reckon Roe, as keen duck shooters, one of us retired as a social member, the other is still still a keen duck hunter, that these would be ideal for flooring on the Mai Mai. Yeah, well, because you're standing up in your Mai Mai for quite a while sometimes waiting for the ducks to come in. So the winner of the Golden Gumboot Trophy for 2021 is... 
The Powery Hilton. Now, this has been nominated by Charlie Gawley, and he says, uh, this my my sleep six. It's got hot and cold running water, uh, a wood fire heater, a barbecue can handle four guns with these. 2020 Innovation was a QR code to sign in. Also has an amazing vista looking down the lake. So, Tess, uh, the prize for this award is... Well, that's a very flash, my my, and I must say the prize is pretty cool too. They get four comfy cow rubber mats and an AgTech t-shirt and beanie. Awesome, AgriTech car. Thank you so much for your sponsorship of that. And how I, big are the comfy cow mats? Ah, uh, they're quite sizable. They're quite big, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you'd get quite a few along a shooting you, platform there. Well, and the other thing is, you could put them out on the bank of the Mai Mai for an outdoor area as well. Yeah, a bit of a social social space as yeah. well. Uh, so we better head on to category six, though. Yes, Jamie. So this is the best uh, farm entrance slash mailbox, thanks to Southern Humates. You can add Southern Humates to your calf feed to improve digestion and feed utilisation, resulting, should I say, in healthier calves. Stockmate from Southern Humates is a natural way to give your calves a good start in life. Rowena. So the winner of the Golden Gumbuck Trophy for 2021 in this category is... Now, this is a mailbox in Caples Valley. Hey, can you just pump the song up? Do you see the irony in our winner here? No, neither. It's gone past. Well, me. do you see the irony in our nominator here? Oh, oh my gosh! Yes. Uh, so I hadn't got to that. Uh, this is nominated <laughs> by Barry Gibb. How good! How good! That was completely unintentional. Now Barry says, "Geez, the BGs, the only surviving BGs <laughs> listening to our show." Thank you, Barry well, from Miami. Uh, Barry says, "This is an awesome old post box." Now I've looked at it uh, in his photo he submitted. It is really rustic. It's a rusty old barrel held together with barbed wire, sitting on very weathered posts. It is super aesthetic. Tess, Barry will take home. Yeah, so Barry will bring a pal- uh, get a pallet of stockmate valued at thirteen hundred dollars. Brilliant. That is twenty twenty five kilogram bags. Oh my gosh, Jamie, I'm glad you picked up on the Bee Gees there. Oh, I was just thinking. Oh, fantastic. Chuffed that Barry's listening. <laughs> so we've, that's six of the uh, ten categories. If you've missed out, because we've had to get through these today, just we'll go to our website or our Facebook page after one. They'll all be posted there. Up next on the country, it is David Stevens. We're heading to God's Own Farming Province, Southland, to talk deer farming and cardigan-wearing bureaucrats. Time to tee off. David Stevens is one of the country's top deer farmers. His Netherdale Sire stag sale in January has some of the best uh, venison and velvet genetics up for grabs. Let's start with New Zealand Venison Barbecue Day, David. Uh, This is the brainchild of Hunter McGregor, our China correspondent based out of Shanghai. Are you all set for this weekend? Well, I'll have to get a bit out of the freezer. Um, yeah, no, I'd, I don't know a lot about it, Jamie, but uh, I think it's a, a great initiative. I mean, Hunter, I know I've met him in the past, and uh, he's over in China, and he's certainly get up and go and, and uh, you know start something like, like this and uh, just hope the, uh, there's a bit of venison out there in the supermarkets for people to pick up and have a barbecue on Saturday. When you're not doing the deer farming gig, you are a councillor. 
for Environment Southland. Now, you guys are right in the gun at the moment because I know you've just passed and you voted against it. A 20% rates increase here in Otago, I think, was something like 50%. Right around the country, David Stevens, we're seeing regional councils under the hammer because the government is unloading a lot of the stuff perhaps it should be doing onto regional councils and local authorities. No, you're absolutely right, Jamie. There was two of us, actually. Um, Jeremy McPhail and myself voted against the long-term plan, and really it was just due to uh, the funding of it. We believe that uh, there's huge costs coming in, and as you say, every regional council is having to put up with uh, having to lift their rates, uh, not only this year, it continues through for several years, uh, just to comply and, and actually... Um, you know, keep up with where government are uh, wanting us to go. Um, not only that, we don't have the staff, and I'd say just about every regional council's short of staff. Uh, the government are actually headhunting staff as well, which is not helping. That's the ultimate irony. The government is asking you to do all this heavy lifting, and then they're pinching your staff from under your I nose. Know. I know, I know, and uh, no, I, I actually got accused of grandstanding at the uh, at the meeting on Friday. But uh, my comments were that uh, maybe it's time for the regional councils to actually uh, say enough's enough, or at least slow down. Uh, we're going too hard, too fast. We, I don't think that there's an argument about what we're trying to achieve. It's just a matter of actually getting it right on the way through. And I mean, we've looked at it as far as um, slope and, and winter grazing, a number of things. When it comes to the practical side of it, Wellington has really lost the plot. I mean, I really don't know, I suppose, the fine line between arrogance and ignorance. Um, but they need to get rid of the radicals. They need to get the people around the table that actually understand what's going on. And look, they would not have had to go through all this, the problems that we've had. I mean, you wouldn't have ended up with, uh, I would suggest... Uh, a lot of the protests that are taking place. Which yeah, well, I, I think I think the legislation or proposed legislation's been drawn up by ideologues like uh, David Parker, perhaps without that much practical input. You guys down on Southland are, are kind of the blueprint that everyone's looking at. Because I don't, I put it to you that you've, you haven't got a dog show of implementing some of these changes to winter grazing practices, even if you wanted to. I know, I know, and, and really, you're just almost. Well, I know myself. I mean, I'm still farming, so I'm in a position where I'm out there with the gummies on. And, um, you know, at times, just with the way our weather is, you, you actually are non-compliant. I mean, you just cannot do anything. I mean, it's only for a short period of time. You do look at uh, ways of actually mitigating that. And this year, with uh, the flyover that we have, we have a couple of those over the winter period. Southland farmers have really got on board and uh, are doing a terrific job. Okay, you're always going to have one or two that won't, um, and they'll get sorted out. But most people um, are doing an extremely good job, and they need to be congratulated for that. And I really, it disappoints me actually. um, You've got these radicals out there. Too many people are listening to them, Um, they are not of value around the table. All they do is disrupt, and uh, if we want to go ahead, Wellington needs to realise that and get the real people around the table that actually understand what's going on. Well spoken, David Stevens. Let's get rid of the cardigan-wearing bureaucrats. There we go, David Stevens down there in Southland. Good luck. I know you've got a lot on your plate. Oh, thanks, Jamie. Yeah, telling it how it is. Country's going to hell. In a, is it a handbasket or handcart? I always get 50, that confused. 50. Either or. Either or. 
Right, the uh, Golden Gumboot Awards continue. What are we on? Category number seven? Yep. Best shed, I think. This is our big shed thanks to Lawnmaster. Mowers built for New Zealand conditions. Hardworking products for hardworking Kiwi since 1947. The winner of the Golden Gumboot Trophy for 2021 in this category is... Well, hang on. Have we got a siren? A steward siren? Uh, for an inquiry here? Hang on. No. No, I can't find See if find you can find a steward's... <laughs> This member's a this bloke's a paid member he of the country team. He's not a paid team. member. Hang on here. Is this a siren? Well, it's a siren. It's not like a steward siren. Well, that's the best I can do, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the winner of this award, and just remember, as we said at the start, Auckland, our team up there in Auckland, Angus and Amy. Now, Angus is a rugby referee, so he is by the book following the law to the absolute letter, uh, and he has. Decided Are you calling Angus? But. Uh, pedantic, pedantic, are you? Uh, I'm calling him very, very honest and trustworthy. And, and you're sucking up to the boss. Uh, well, I'm just laying I this would out. call him pedantic well, on occasions. It's a bit embarrassing who the winner yeah, of this is because we do know the winner. And so, full disclaimer, <laughs> we did not choose this. The winner is Blair Drysdale's workshop machinery and fertiliser shed in Southend because it was built by a local builder this summer, employing up to six people for a two-month period. He says you can't beat a big, practical, north-facing shed that takes in the stunning vistas beyond so, what does Blair take home, Tess? Well, Ro, this is a pretty awesome prize. Blair will receive a Lawnmaster Estate Honda mower with a full-service kit worth $1,000. Fantastic. Yeah, this is top of the line from Lawnmaster. That's pretty good. The Honda mower. Well done, John McAvinney and team and Gav. At least John knows how honest we are in this. He'll trust us. Well, if I was John, I'd be asking questions. But never mind. Uh, referee maybe chose the winner. So, yeah, we're pleading the Fifth Amendment on that one. Category 8 is for the armchair expert, thanks to NetSpeed, making broadband very accessible to rural New Zealand with wireless services, improving capacity, and more locations being added all the time. Call NetSpeed and they can help solve your connectivity woes. Now, the winner of the Golden Gumboot Trophy for 2021 one is James Thomas. Now he was nominated by Steve Hines and this one makes me giggle a wee bit because Steve says that James knows the facts and information that no ordinary person should know dropping them into conversation to show how intelligent he is. Reminds me of someone else Jamie. Uh, Makes a wet muddy day during carving very long having to listen to him prattle on. Again can relate. Uh, Constantly quotes Monty Python and Austin Powers during all that are driving. All that are with him absolutely nuts. Uh, Frustrating as a spiked, frustrating in the nose of a sucking heifer. There we go. On a recent hike, when everyone else was blowing, still had the energy to pull out a pose of Rodkin's thinker at the top of a hill. What normal person does that? Uh, so congratulations. Now, oh, that's my wrong. <laughs> we don't need a drum while we need a song back. Uh, Tess, what will Steve take home for nominating in this category? Well, Steve, this will be a good one for when the busy farming season's over, but you will receive two nights in a four-star Queenstown hotel plus a voucher for dinner thanks to NetSpeed. Hey, who won it, Steve or James? I'm confused. So Steve, Steve. that's why we said Steve will take home the prize, Jamie, because it's who nominated in the category that goes, who did the mahi gets the treats? Exactly. That is a great prize. Thank you to Heather and Stan. I'm quite jealous of that prize, actually. Actually, James sounds just a bit like me. Oh, just a bit. Monty Python and Austin Powers. And just annoying everyone around you. I wonder if he does Ricky Gervais as well. He's like you reincarnated, Jamie. Uh, Yeah, all right. Okay, Uh, up next, what are we doing. We'll take a break and we'll figure out We're going to announce two more winners. We'll announce two more winners, but we've also got the panel to get in before uh, one o'clock. 
Nine and a half away from one, the Golden Gumboot Awards continue. Category 10 Best Smoko Spread, for reasons which will become obvious tomorrow, we will announce this tomorrow. Our final category for today is the Best Chef, thanks to AFCO and South Pacific Meats, providing top New Zealand beef and lamb to the world and proud to support New Zealand rural co- communities. Good on you, AFCO. Now the winner of the Golden Gumboot Trophy for 2021 in this category is... And it's a bit of a weird one. We don't actually have the name of the winner, but it's either Clay Vidanovich or Clay nominating his father in this category. It isn't entirely apparent. But anyway, the nomination reads thus. A full-time dairy farmer and solo dad means we're lucky to have a master chef in the kitchen. Dad always makes sure there's a feast on the table, whether it be your kiwi roast, risotto made from scratch, wow, uh, Thai green curry, venison cooked perfectly, or anything else. However, it's dessert where he really shines. You're talking my language now. With his signature baked cheesecake or lime and dick. Tart, a couple of highlights. So, by making this nomination, Clay will receive Tessa $1,000 of cold hard cash thanks to AFCO. Brilliant. So, congratulations, Clay. Uh, well done, AFCO, for sponsoring that category. And also, a massive shout out to Farm Source 360 Clothing. Uh, 360 workwear is available exclusively at Farm Source stores nationwide. Uh, they've created the 360 range to provide dairy farmers of New Zealand with a range of farm workwear specifically designed to meet their needs. I've used it myself. It is brilliant. But thank you so much to Farm Source and 360 Clothing for making this whole competition possible. It has been so much fun. Right, we wrap the country with today's panel next. Right, wrapping it today with half of today's panel. We've only got time for one of them. Grant McNational has been kicked to the touch. I wonder how long it'll be till his leader is kicked to touch. Judith Collins, I don't know. Stephen Harris, what did you make of that poll, the TV3 poll? It was interesting, but not surprising. Labour was never going to stay at 50% for forever. Uh, you know, they got that big boost in the polls because of a pretty decent uh, response to, to a pandemic. And uh, and now, yeah, the gloss is going off. So they're seeing it at probably more, probably where Key sat around that 43, 45 for a long time, didn't he? Um, so that's what you might expect. But I'm surprised that you guessed McCullum and not me because I argued with you last week. I thought you'd be guessing me, Jamie, for well, standing no, up. no, we want some woke representation on the show today. <laughs> And you're it. Wait till well, I get stuck into your point. mates at Red Radio. Look, talk to me about... Um, talk well, to just me finish ab- about the politics, though. The point yeah. I was making to you last week, because, you know, you were talking about an accidental Prime Minister. And I said, well, you know, hold on. You know, if National was, was at, uh, as they are, let's say, use the figures today, they're 29 and X at 11. Say ACK went to 21, they're not going to. There's 50%. Sitting with Labour at 43, that's a simplistic scenario, I know. But at National and ACK, the centre-right, could form a government. And Labor would have the most seats, but um, wouldn't be able to. Yeah, well, my argument was up until the 2017 election, and that's what I referred to, uh, Jacinda Ardern being an accidental Prime Minister, um, the party with the most votes had always formed the government under MMP, and I'm sticking with that. Yeah, in this country, but not elsewhere. Yeah, okay, all right. Hey, listen, what's happening with the the lambing in Central Hawke's Bay? Because uh, we heard from Phil Duncan that you guys are dry, but you don't really want rain at lambing time. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, no, we're very dry underfoot, and uh, I think we had well, 14 mils for, of rain in July. Those areas that got flooded would, you know, would be feeling, wishing they had had that. Uh, very dry underfoot. It's beautiful weather. It was mild over the weekend. Lovely sunny day again today. And yeah, I'm just started lambing, so it's perfect lambing weather. But oh boy, we do need some rain before before the spring comes.
Yeah, and uh, just a final comment on national radio. See, Steve, do you sit on my side on this one a bit more? As someone who's been in commercial radio for the best part of three decades, I'm not sh- personally myself, I think they don't face the chill winds of commercial radio and have to make a buck like we do. Now that you're a radio station owner yourself, you might have some sympathies with my argument. Yeah, they don't, they don't face the chill winds, uh, that is true, and I do have a little bit more sympathy now that I own Central FM along with the Parkinson's. Uh, so, you know, if you're a local radio station as we are, you've just got to remain relevant and local and, and give what your community needs in terms of information and, and times of crisis, and, and you'll, you will be able to exist well in that field. And, you yeah, go, Jamie. Try and remain relevant. Well, Jamie does. He works hard on it um, and, and looks after his rural audience. Suck up. Well, I Suck up now. I love, you, I love you too, Steve. <laughs> well, you keep up the good local radio because I think we'll go full circle in radio in this country. We're into big networks at the moment, but eventually the small local stations like Central FM and God bless it, Hokanui, the little station that could, will rain again. There we go. That's us done and dusted. Lisa Carrington's about to get underway in Tokyo. Thanks for being with us for the Golden Gumboots. We'll catch you back tomorrow. The greatest hits from the greatest artists. Streaming everywhere on iHeartRadio. Just search Gold FM. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. When the craving hits, Wingstop delivers. Because nothing's better than our wings in 11 mouth-watering, soul-satisfying flavors. Go boneless, go classic, go lemon pepper or spicy Korean Q. Whatever you choose, you'll be satisfied. Go to Wingstop.com now and get it delivered right to your door. Wingstop, where flavor gets its wings. Welcome, welcome, my beautiful people, to another episode of Masterminded Experts with your host, Marlene Cruz. I am so happy to bring to you a very important topic that we have been seeing over and over in society today. It is of the essence, it is crucial to have an online presence as it pertains to business. So for personal, I have my own, you know, opinion about that. But an online presence for business purposes is absolutely essential. And as we know today, everything is digital, everything is online, everything is going towards that route. We need to be, um, we need to make sure that we are a few steps ahead of the game. Like I always say, I love to be at least 10 steps ahead. So what I have prepared for you, of course, I have my cheat sheet as always, 
I have prepared a few things that I think is important and crucial in order for you to understand how the online presence works for businesses specifically. Um, and of course, I want to share with you guys that I'm very excited and very happy that I'm officially launching Digital Central. Digital Central is a marketing agency that I am happily launching on July 26th. And this is a venture because I notice how important and how crucial it is for all of us to be able to have a professional online presence if you are in business. So out of all the points that I prepared for you today on my cheat sheet, I have don't mix business with pleasure, please. <laughs> this is very, very important. I see it happening all the time. I see people mixing their, their moments of going out to drink and going wild with their, also their business. That's a no-no. Um, the number one thing that you want to be able to identify is what is the difference between my personal profile audience and my business audience. Now, that isn't, you know, to say that you can't put pictures or certain personal things. Yes. But my advice to you would be limit the things that you put personally. It has never been meant to have business and personal merged together. No, that's, that's a big mistake. <laughs> Especially because the business aspect of things, they're not really supposed to see you drunk or acting wild or, you know, twerking or, <laughs> or things like that. Mind the, the examples, but it's to make a point. Um, so do understand the differences between that. Also, sprinkle a little bit of the personal. You know, for example, for me, I love to post pictures of my daughter. Uh, my daughter and I have a very beautiful relationship, God bless it, and I enjoy my time with her very much. And I have so much love for my daughter. I share some pictures with her, and I have a lot of love when I do. So certain things will help you in the process of gaining eyes and views, and certain other things will hinder you. Uh, so what you want to do, really, you want to know and identify your audience down to a T. And I mean down to a T. Know who your audience is. What is their age group? What is their likes and dislikes? What are their worries, their problems, their issues? What ignites them? What, what sets them on fire, right? What helps the cause and what hinders it? You need to fully understand your audience. If you know their age group, if you know their, um, their tendencies, you are more able to put quotes and posts and pictures along the way of what your audience really wants to see or should be able to see. Um, not any twerking videos <laughs> or any karaoke or drunk, nothing of that. You, know, you understand? So it's very important to have that in mind. First impression is crucial. 
And that is what you're creating when you are mixing business with pleasure. You are creating a possible, not so positive scenario. So we want to be very cautious as it pertains to that. Um, another very important thing that we need to keep in mind as we are developing um, our business profiles and online presence is to be able to set up a professional platform, ladies and gentlemen. These days, there's a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of confusion because everybody now has the ability to go live. Everybody could just pick up a phone, go on Facebook and go Facebook Live, or go on YouTube and go live. The confusion is the following. Where are you sending these people to? Where are you building your traffic? How are you utilizing your traffic? How much of your content and content rights are you giving away by utilizing these platforms that take away the rights of your content? These are things that you have to really thoroughly think about. Nobody reads the fine print and nobody reads the user agreement when they sign up for things. Hardly anybody, which is a big mistake, huge mistake. This is what I want you to do. I want you to do the following. Go to Facebook and go to their user agreement, the one you signed before using it. Read what is there. You probably have a whole bunch of pages, a lot of things to read, so sit down over the weekend. <laughs> but know that whatever you put on Facebook, whatever you put on social media, no longer belongs to you. Do you know that? This does not belong to you. So you don't have the flexibility anymore to be able to utilize this content, to be able to profit fully from this content. Yes, you can be a YouTuber. Of course, there's people making some money there. Okay, if you are okay with making some money, if you are okay with making a little bit, then go ahead and be a YouTuber. That's okay. But if you want to be able to captivate the most out of your audience, if you want to be able to captivate the most out of your advertising dollars, then I would suggest to create your own platform as I have. SOS is literally a platform that I have built from scratch with my teams, and it's an, an ability for me to be able to profit as much as I can from the content that I'm creating. So this is very, very important for you to educate yourself, not only in your audience, who is your audience, but also how are you utilizing these platforms? Where are you sending your traffic to? How are you promoting it? Are you just having a show just to have a show? Are you just having a show just to be seen? Are you really wasting your time in such a fashion that you're only utilizing this to just have two or three people see you? This is something that you need to think about. How do you make the most of the time that you're spending when you are going live, when you are putting very good content out there that you can start uh, profiting from 
at a higher portion in another level, okay? Of course, it takes time to build, right? Of building a following is something of time. It takes time. But if you are building this following, and this following is following you, not YouTube, so why then don't you have your own platform? Why then don't you create this ability for you to fully profit on the content that you are putting out there. Something to think about, definitely. And as you are thinking about this, be purposeful with your online presence. So important. Be purposeful. Please don't go online and say anything that you have in your mind and not plan. It is essential for you to utilize this time of being in the public. And I want you to understand the following. When you're putting something on social media, you are literally putting it out to the entire world, to the entire globe. And a lot of people do not think about this. The repercussions that could come in many multiple areas and arenas and situations and ways of you not utilizing this time wisely. So it is essential for you to be prepared what you're going to say, why are you going live, be purposeful in doing it, have it housed in your own platform where you can control fully your traffic, where you can control your advertisement, where you can control the people that are there and the money that is coming in, and then you share it on these platforms from your own. So this is what generates and gives you the flexibility of having full control of your project. The next thing I have here on my cheat sheet is be mindful where are where you're directing your traffic to, like I mentioned, and be mindful of what you're saying in accordance to your audience. So this goes back in knowing who your audience is. So if we are talking to, here at Masterminded Experts, we are talking to uh, people that want to know a particular topic or be experts in a particular topic. And they're learning this from experts in the field that have already been successful in this. Why is this important? When you have the ability to learn from somebody that has been there, done that, that has been successful in their route of doing it, in their journey of doing it, you just, just cut off a lot of different rocks and roads and difficulties and obstacles that may come on your way. Why? Well, because you are taking advice from somebody that has succeeded. You're taking advice from somebody that possibly made some mistakes along the way, so you are now informed of them and you will make them, and you are learning from somebody that is already where you would like to be. How powerful is that? So, so powerful. So, when building an online presence, Take this into consideration. Look at other people and how they are doing it. Look at people that are doing it successfully. This is what you should do along the lines, right? 
And look at people that are doing it not so successfully, not so professionally, and make sure that you don't do it this way. So one of the most important things to keep in mind as you are preparing this in your mind is what image, what feeling, what experience are you providing to those that are watching? God, sometimes I see these videos on on Facebook, on YouTube, on any social media platform, and I'm doing this. Oh, my God. Because a lot of people are not mindful in what they put out there. You may be giving great content, but what is your scenery, right? What experience are you creating? What emotion are you evoking? Like invoking, what emotion are you providing? That is what you need to start thinking of. What ambience are you creating for the people that are listening to you, that are watching you, that are just absorbing your content? Very important for you to take you know, um, that into consideration and be aware of that. What is in the scene? One thing that um, for people that are in this industry professionally, have in in common is the fact that they are very watchful for their scene. What is in my scene? Is everything that is in my scene necessary? Do I really want to have this cup here, have this flower here, right? Everything is purposely placed. So this is something that I want you also to have in mind. As I'm sharing uh, all of this, I want to begin to tell you a little more of Digital Central, how Digital Central was born. And it was literally born from the um, necessity of being able to provide a platform or different services that would allow people to have a professional background, to have a professional setting, to have a professional show or whatever it is that they want to do, website, um, to be able to project their business, whatever that may be, in a professional setting. So uh, as part of that and as part of my journey there, I happened to meet a, um, a gentleman who is part of my team, and I thank him very much. His name is Osiel. Osiel has been just essential for this project, and I really loved the way that he worked. I love his work ethics, and I said, you know what? Hmm, we would make a great team. This is a necessity today in our environment today, in our society today. Let's do it. And, of course, he follows all my craziness. He's like, let's go. I'm on. Let's do it. So Digital Central literally was born from the vision of the importance of these kinds of services and the connection of a great team. So here we bring you Digital Central, where we are going to be able to offer different kinds of services as it pertains to the digital world and marketing, um, digital design, um, anything that you want to really design for your professional business, flyers, business cards, covers, even magazines. Hey, why not? We have, as you know, SOS Magazine, by the way, is also being revamped and relaunched. We will bring you a great quality magazine 
coming really, really soon. So I'm excited about everything that's happening. But going back to the Digital Central world, we will be offering different platforms. So app development, crucial as well. This is another avenue of being able to provide for your business, being able to, to have your business in more eyes, more sets of eyes, right? A professional website, of course, even e-commerce. Now we have a rising as it pertains to e-commerce, to drop shipping, and things like that. So if you want to create a site where you are selling different products, T-shirts or promotionals, where you are selling uh, whatever it is that you want to sell in any industry, we can help you with that. We can design it for you, and we can give you the backup that you need as well. So this is what I want you to do. Take a look at the site. Right now you can subscribe for um, a free prize. Okay, so we have a prize for anyone that subscribes, and we will choose a winner on the day of our launch, which is specifically July 26 at 2.30 here at our headquarters in Parsippany, New Jersey. And the address is 140 Littleton Road, Suite 101, Parsippany, New Jersey. So I hope I see you guys here that day. I'm very excited. We're going to have different things that day. But more importantly, I'm going to be going into details about the importance of having a professional setting, a professional platform where you house whatever it is that you are doing. Any project, big or small, it does not matter. Why? Because a small project, if you put the correct effort and time into it, will not stay small, right? It will grow. And isn't that the, the purpose of beginning a project is so it can grow? So one of the most important things is for you to be able to have a platform that is already professional, that is already set for success. And that is what I want to help you do. And we want to help you do at Digital Central. We want to help you prepare for success, whatever the industry is. So there is a growth right now in several industries. Of course, everything that has to do with digital, everything that has to do with Internet, that's not going anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. This is here to stay. So this is the kinds of things. Now is the time for you to have your online presence. Now is the time for you to have your online store. Now is the perfect time for you to sell whatever it is that you want to sell in the virtual world. Expand your horizons. Not only if you are selling something and you're selling something in the United States and you are a mom and pop shop, this is the perfect time for you to grow and expand your horizons in the world of the Internet. As we all know, this world is changing society as a whole. It's changing how we communicate. It's changing how we perceive things, how we interact with each other. And COVID has been a very, very good teacher as it pertains to that because COVID kind of taught us, hey, you weren't ready for me, so make sure you are <laughs> for the next time. Make sure you are ready virtually to transition because 
as we've seen in many, many different companies, a lot of companies were not ready to make the transition. So that's another invite that I want to do uh, to you. If you are a company, if you have a business, big or small, and you have not made professionally that transition officially, then I suggest you do reach out uh, because this is very, very important. It's important for you to be prepared, and not only because this can happen again. Of course, we never know. But most importantly, COVID did something. COVID opened the world, the globe. Now our market is global. Now there is no difference between you being in a classroom physically. Well, we know there is a difference, but in the sense of being able to get the service, either you're physically or virtual, you can still receive it. And it has been so all the time, right? But COVID kind of made this a norm. COVID kind of pushed this as to it has to be done. So there has been a shift in the way that things are seen and how the digital world is functioning. This is the shift I want you and I invite you to take a look at. This is the time for you to set yourself for success. Even if you set yourself a store and this is something part-time, who's to say that this is not going to grow in the future to be your main moneymaker? Open your mind, open your horizon, and do not limit yourself. So to wrap up the show, kind of to give you guys a summary of what we spoke about, um, it is important to know your audience. Please know who you are providing service to. What service are you providing and who is receiving it? What are their good, their bad, their weakness, their strengths? What, what is their age group, right? What um, nationality are they, if there is a nationality um, attached to it? What are their personalities like, right? When you know that down to the nitty-gritty, you are able to service your clients even better. When you divide, don't mix business with pleasure. Understand the differences between your personal platforms and social media specifically and your business platform. Separate those two. Sprinkle a little bit of personal. You know, you can have a picture or two. You can share a trip that you went to. You can share something that is professional in accordance to your audience. Also, Set up a professional platform. This is how Digital Central was born because of the necessity of that. So you could always reach out to us to set a professional platform where you house whatever it is that you are doing. Be mindful of where you are directing your traffic. Essential. Essential. When all these big platforms are really inviting you, seducing you to come to their platform and put your content on their platform, it's not because your content is, oh my God, this they die for, it's because what they're looking for is the traffic, the traffic that generates them the big bucks and you the okay bucks. Personally, I'm not okay with okay. <laughs> I'm not okay with that. If I am 
building something, if I am devoting my time and attention to and sacrifice in everything I'm doing, I'm going to make sure that I keep that traffic because I deserve it, because I deserve those big bucks. So that's something that you want to keep in mind. And, of course, to tell you once again to join us on June 26, 2.30, here in Parsippany, New Jersey, 140 Littleton Road, Suite 101. And here we will have our launch officially for Digital Central. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope you got some bits and, and pieces of what I'm telling you, and you can integrate it in your life and make your life so, so much easier. Remember, as it pertains to when you're building something, know what you're building. Know who you're building it for. Know your whys as to why this is coming together. And... Be purposeful in your time on social media. Do not waste a minute of your time. Always utilize your time in a way that will bring you some kind of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual gain, positivity. Let that bring you something positive. Use your time wisely. Thank you so much for joining, and I will see you guys next time on Masterminded Experts, where we will be bringing other experts in different fields to educate you and help you and motivate you in different arenas. If you have a specific topic that you would like us to touch and a specific audience or a specific person you would like to hear from, please do utilize the chats. And I will make sure that I reach to this person and bring you what you need. Be blessed and have a great day. Bye. Minded Express Show with your host, Marlene Cruz. At Rintime, their automotive stylists are car people who live to make your ride look good. So when it comes to custom wheels, they know what they're doing. Performance wheels, off-road wheels, colored wheels, or chrome rims. At Rimtime, they'll find you the right wheels no matter what you're looking for. Plus, with their unique payment program, no credit is needed, and you get flexible payments, low prices, and no penalty for paying off early. Find a Rimtime location near you at Rimtime.com. That's Rimtime.com. Rimtime. More wheels, real experts, easy options. Choose your savings at Excel Federal Credit Union. We're ready to help you get behind the wheel of your next car or truck with two ways to save on your auto loan from Excel Federal Credit Union. Rates as low as 0.99% APR for up to 60 months or up to $500 cash back. You can even refinance your current vehicle and take advantage of these great savings. Call or text APPLY to 770-441-9235 or go to excelfcu.org. APR equals annual percentage rate. Rates and terms subject to credit worthiness and our underwriting standards. Restrictions apply. See Credit Union for full disclosure. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. When the craving hits, Wingstop delivers. 
because nothing's better than our wings in 11 mouth-watering, soul-satisfying flavors. Go boneless, go classic, go lemon pepper or spicy Korean Q. Whatever you choose, you'll be satisfied. Go to wingstop.com now and get it delivered right to your door. Wingstop, where flavor gets its wings. Choose your savings at Excel Federal Credit Union. We're ready to help you get behind the wheel of your next car or truck with two ways to save on your auto loan from Excel Federal Credit Union. Rates as low as 0.99% APR for up to 60 months or up to $500 cash back. You can even refinance your current vehicle and take advantage of these great savings. Call or text APPLY to 770-441-9235 or go to excelfcu.org. APR equals annual percentage rate. Rates and terms subject to credit worthiness and our underwriting standards. Restrictions apply. See Credit Union for full disclosure. Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Here's another one of my twice-weekly segments on the Captain's America Third Watch with Matt Bruce, broadcast to over 2 million people every night on the Salem and Genesis Communications Networks. Joining us right now, we have... From Underground USA, Mr. Frank Salvato. And there they are. There they are. They're out there with their coffee in the 81-degree temperatures. <laughs> Enjoying the weather. Okay, thanks, gang. All right, there they go. Back inside very quick. Now, um, you're familiar with the book Mein Kampf, right? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a pivotal book for people who are who are concerned with politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, what comparison would you attribute that, if all, to Donald Trump? Uh, not much, mm-hmm. not much. I think it ends it ends with the fact that the people found uh, an allure, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And of course, um, we had uh, somebody who was. Uh, inferring that uh, 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 the book Mein Kampf and Donald Trump was leading us down the same gilded path. Now, I ran out of time, so I couldn't do much about it. Uh, But uh, we were coming up on the top of the hour, and I told you I was going to talk about this with you. Uh, But really, uh, I think somebody might have been drinking the Kool-Aid or smoking something. (laughs) Uh, whatever. Maybe, you know, the, the Marxist left in, yeah. this, in this country, and I'd stop. Mm-hmm. We have to be honest about what this, what this is, what they are. They're not progressives anymore. Nope. They've morphed into full-blown Marxists who are activists. Um, they're trying to to form that narrative that mm-hmm. that Donald Trump was leading us down the path of mm-hmm. Adolf Hitler yep. uh, into despotism. Mm-hmm. But that is when you look at the policies. Yep that Donald Trump had put into place during his four years. They unleashed the people. They did not they did sure. not lead the people like a Pied Piper mm-hmm. down the path to fascism, mm-hmm. which is what Hitler was. He was he was a fascist mm-hmm. uh, who used socialism to get to dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Uh what this guy pretty much described was the Biden administration and doing what mm-hmm. he's been doing with everything that he yeah. and the people and, and Pelosi and Schumer have been doing yep. and consolidating more power into the government. Yep. All right. Well, let's, uh, we've got a couple callers here and I'm going to take the first caller to call in. Good morning, Mary. What's on your mind? Oh, I was just going to ask if Frank could uh, address the gentleman that called because That's that what we're is doing. where 
where the fight is going to be if that election is determined that it was illegal, that's going to cause people like that to come out. And that's where you have to look at the problem, because people do believe that. Okay, thank you. And by the way, you should have been where I was yesterday, because it was all about election integrity. Yeah, um, you know, it can't be said enough, because there's it's like the Wild West out there when it comes to these recounts and, and mm-hmm. audits. The election is not going to change. Mm-hmm. No one is going to be removed from office. The nope. people do not vote for president and vice president of the United States. They vote for electors to the Electoral College. The Correct. Electoral College was seated with certified people. You can't decertify after the fact. Nope. The election is in the books. Nope. What all these audits are doing and and, and the, the process assessments is... Yep. hardening things for the next time around. Yep. So we, we really do need to understand that no one's going to say, well, the election was, was wrong, so we're going to have to have Mr. Biden leave office. Yep. That's not going to happen. No, and once the election was certified in the Electoral College, case closed. Yes, it's a, the election is over. Mm-hmm. That's why January 6th was so important. Yeah. And and we have to start wrapping our, our mind around the idea that it was allowed to happen in the Capitol so that there was a disruption of the Electoral College yep. to stop the challenges. Yep. So if there was an insurrection on January 6th that came from the left side of the aisle, not from the right side of the yep. aisle, yep. it stopped the legitimate constitutional process. Yep, and I got people that were there that tell me what they saw, and it's not being reported, and one of these days I'm going to bring one of them on the air. Okay, let's go to another Rem- caller. Re- 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 mm-hmm. Remember that the left always oh, telegraphs what they're okay. doing on someone, on their opponent. You bet. And callers, hang on, because I am coming up on a break. Frank, you hold on. We'll be right back. And callers, I'll take you when we come back. Uh, this is a hot subject, and obviously we're going to talk about it, but unfortunately, 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 We've got to correct the problems that we know that happen. We've got to get it right the next time around, and I believe we will based on where I was yesterday and what I was doing. We'll be right back. When you need to know, the Captain's America Third Watch is the place to go. Overnight, live, 2 to 6 a.m. Eastern Time on this station. More common sense, conservative talk. News, insight, passion. AM 930. The Answer. Online at TheAnswerSarasota.com. AM 930. The Answer. When the framers created the Republic, through the codification of the U.S. Constitution and soon after the Bill of Rights, they understood that the documents put the newly created government on notice that it had limitations and boundaries, that it was not the lord of the people, rather the people were the lords of the government. But 232 years on, our rights are not so assumed. The federal government has overreached to a point where it is tantamount to despotic and bureaucratic, devoid of true representation of its people. In the new Concept Action White Paper, Saving the Great American Experiment, now available on Kindle Vela, I explain how we can arrive at a place where the divided American people can begin to heal a place where the intensity and the power of the divide serves not to destroy, but to rejuvenate the idea of a true union of states. Please go to undergroundusa.com and hover over Goodreads to access the direct link to the Kindle Vela store. Then share that link with family and friends. 
Let's defeat those who seek to conquer us through divide. We can become e pluribus unum again. And the solution found in saving the great American experiment is how. All right, Frank Silvato, we'll go to him first. Good morning, Frank. Mr. Catholic. We've got two callers on the line, and I'm going to go with caller number one. Okay, I believe this is our friend up in Denver, right? Yeah. Okay, yep. go ahead, sir. Yeah, uh, that man had it backwards. It's Biden and the boys had take, taken the Hitler playbook. He wanted to get, he knew people real well. You get them scared, and you can control them. Yep. It's that simple. That's what he did. He got people against the Jews and everybody just to get some kind of excuse. You get them confused and scared like they do with the COVID. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. Well, you're right. The Biden Cocker. You're right, my friend, and thank you very much. And I got another caller. You take care you now. Did. All righty. That's Doug in Denver, by the way. Okay. Good morning, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Mr. Captain. My name's, my name's Eric, and I'm calling from the great state of Atlanta where Stacey Abrams is still not the governor. She would never buy a car. <laughs> okay. No matter how much she looks like Michael Strahan. How you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm well, man. How are you? Good. Go ahead. So, okay, what I wanted to say about this guy that compared Trump to, to my comps, all right? If you look at Joe Biden and, and his Israeli Jewish policy and his lower state was a Palestinian, and then you look at Mein Kampf, okay, he, he, is more, he is so much more comparable. The word Mein Kampf means my struggle. The word Jihad means my struggle. It's the same thing. If you really want to draw, if, if you really want to draw any kind of political American comparison between now and Mein Kampf, Slash Hitler, you can look at the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. That's what they do, mm-hmm. sir. You're right, my friend, and I I, I got to go, but thank you very much for the call. And keep on listening. And drive safe. Thanks, sir. God bless you. All right. God bless you. Okay. Now, Frank, uh, how long was your mom the chairwoman of the Republican Party up there outside Chicago? Uh, real, real close to 20 years. Did you ever... Uh, encounter uh well let's let's go this way okay we just got done talking about the election and the fact that unfortunately once the electoral college declared the election certified for the winner which happened to be joe biden that that was the end of it right yeah that's 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 it that's the books now that's because our constitution never thought we were ever going to have anything like what's just happened take place right yeah, and that's why that's why when we were talking about the decision that the that the Supreme Court made not to hear cases that were brought uh, from one state against another state, that we were shocked because that's that's what their it is their purview. They should have ruled. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you a question: What did your mother do, and the and the Republican Party do, when it came to trying to uh, cleanse the voting rolls? Were they able to get get anywhere? Every single time, there, there was there was never a problem cleansing voting rolls, except for when you were talking about county purview. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Cook County, the voter rolls always had people on it. 
you know, I mean, that's just how Democrats work in, in major cities. They like to slow walk the, the, the cleansing of the voter rolls so that there's fungibility. And they had the motor voter thing also where the people would leave Philadelphia in a bus and show up later on. Well, they'd leave like the night before and they'd show up the day of in Chicago and vote. Yeah, it's a motor voters uh, is one of the most uh, egregious laws to voter integrity that's ever happened. So when you challenged, when she was able to challenge uh, getting the rolls taken care of, it pretty much was able to be done. But then all of a sudden, come Election Day, here we go again. Well, you know, you've got whenever somebody goes to apply for a driver's license, they ask you, would you like to register to vote in federal elections? Yeah. The states have control of whether they can whether that can apply to state elections. Mm-hmm. You know, so it depends on how your how your vote is crafted. The fact that voter 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 is in places is something that each state has to address and expunge. Uh, that's the way that has to be. It would have come into play in Georgia for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about. Chicago, and we're talking about Illinois, which is about as blue as it comes, right? Uh, I, I think it's so blue that it's burnt a hole into the crust of the earth and it's arrived in Beijing. But is anybody surprised that, say, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Michigan, which used to be at one time red, uh, how about uh, California, Oregon, Washington State, and now Arizona? Is anybody surprised? No, you have to. You have to look. The, the Democrats see the United States and demographics that surround urban areas. Yep. You know, we look at the we, at the country as fifty states, fifty sovereign states with fifty sovereign constitutions mm-hmm. that that seat electors to the electoral college. The left doesn't like the electoral college. They think it's inequitable, and I, I use that word equity, equitable, on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they see Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Houston, Miami, Philadelphia, Boston, mm-hmm. and they see these urban centers that hold the most votes. That's where they build their national elections around. Correct. That's why they want control of the national vote, right? So they can so they can gerrymander those numbers into into mm-hmm. winning combinations for the electoral college until they can get rid of it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a little secret. If you took New York City out of the equation in New York State, it would be a solid red Republican state. Yep. You take a look. I have a, a friend of mine that I had lunch with yesterday who said her son just moved to uh, California in mm-hmm. the, outside by Huntington Beach because you have no idea how many conservatives there are here. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. But that's because when you take Los Angeles out of the equation, Southern mm-hmm. California tends to go conservative. When you take San Francisco out of the equation, when you take Seattle out of the equation, Portland out of the equation, Chicago out Mm -hmm. of the equation, everything falls to the red. You take the urban centers out of the equation in each state that you just mentioned, you have a solid red state. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened in Orange County, California. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Where the Democrats uh, two years prior were able to steal the election from uh, three of the de- of Republicans that were there because of the, uh, let's see, uh, I believe they call it uh, Stacey Abrams' version of vote by uh, what? Pick up the ballot here and I'm going to go deliver it there? Yeah, make your make your ballot out of Play-Doh and cast it anywhere you want. Yeah. Uh, Stacey, Stacey Abrams is literally a cancer 
to to the electoral process in the United States. The idea that she that, that she pushes mm-hmm. when it comes to election integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, every other country in the world, unless you're a despotic a, a, a country that has a despotic leader, mm-hmm. they've gotten rid of voter or ballot ballots. Mm-hmm. They don't want it. They know that's where corruption comes from. Mm-hmm. So most countries, it's illegal to vote by mail. We're marching towards it, making it more accessible to, to vote mm-hmm. by mail. That's that's it's stupid because because it, it opens the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't even open the door. It opens the door and chocks it open. Speaking of doors, can you stick around for another segment? Yeah, you bet. Okay, good because when we come back, I'm going to ask Frank about this. Uh... This Kimberly Fox up in uh, (laughs) Cook County, Chicago. She happens to be a George Soros bought and paid for state attorney. We're going to see what Frank thinks about what just took place up there. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to the Captain. Matt Bruce on America's Third Watch. AM 930, The Answer. Did you know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. All right, Frank Salvato from the UndergroundUSA.com podcast and website is with us, and good morning, sir. Mr. Captain. Now, Cook County, Illinois State Prosecutor Kimberly Fox, that ought to throw up a red flag right there, right? Yeah, everybody, Cook County is where Chicago is. She's a Democrat. She has now sued to prevent Donald Trump from receiving a rebate, a tax return of overpayment of property tax, a little bit more than a million dollars, owed to him by the state of Illinois. She wants that money. I don't think she's got any legal right to that money at all. No. And that's and really, it's not the point. One, they've got no money to, to refund to Donald Trump. You know, they, they operated in a deficit mode the whole time. So the check, <laughs> the check would bounce if not for the guarantee of, of money coming in from, from the county. Um, but two, it's, it's really not about trying to sequester his money. It's about trying to slow walk things to keep money from him, mm-hmm. which is kind of stupid because it's an infinitesimal amount when, when you're Donald Trump. Uh, you know, this is a, this is a Soros backed and, and funded person. That, that took over from Lisa, one of the most corrupt uh, offices in, in, in Cook County, mm-hmm. from Lisa Madigan, who is the daughter of Mike Madigan, who is the, the, the leading corrupt House Speaker in Illinois, who, was, who literally lived in that office for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, we shouldn't be surprised that there's a move in the Illinois. And remember, this is the girl who dropped all the charges against Jesse Smollett for his, his fake uh, assault charge that was supposed to be about white supremacists. 
Mm-hmm. You know, she just didn't want to prosecute this guy for for completely making up an assault charge and trying to start a race issue here in Chicago. Oh, well, I guess it didn't work, so we'll just ignore it. She completely abdicated her responsibility to prosecute somebody. So everything she does is a political tip to it. Right now, what she was trying to do is just to make sure Donald Trump stays in the news with a negative light. You try and try and play the... He's a rich guy. He's defrauding the poor people out of another billion dollars that could build another soup kitchen. You know, it's tired, but that's what she's doing. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, Facebook, who does a lot of questionable things, just stopped yep. the paid promotion of the police officer of the year and the Peoria Police Department. That's Illinois, right? Yep, that's a little bit out to the west. The police officer of the year promotion that the Peoria Police Department was doing to honor this police officer for getting that award. The Facebook people said it violates their standards because it mentions something about political or whatnot. There's nothing political in it. No, as a matter of fact, they said they were going to stop policing political mm-hmm. political ads after the election. I, I distinctly remember that announcement coming out. You and me, too. So this is... This isn't about a political ad. This is about an ad honoring the the blue line. Yeah, and and Facebook has become anti law enforcement since since the defund the police movement. There is no other way to look at it. When you look at at Facebook, they are getting more fascist as the day goes on. So people find yourself alternatives to Facebook. It, we, we, as a society, we have to wean ourselves off of that platform at all costs. And there's a lot of great platforms out there that aren't doing what Facebook does. It's just a habit that we've gotten into. So do your due diligence. Find a social media platform that allows you to speak, that allows you to get free, uh, free access to information that you want to have, mm-hmm. that doesn't manipulate the message the way Facebook does, and doesn't disrespect the people who put on a badge and a gun and stay between you and the bad guys every single day. I uh, got a question here from uh, one of our listeners, Martin. Uh, Martin is saying, do you believe that the upcoming vote in California to recall Governor Gavin Newsom will be an honest election? Well, I hope so. But I do believe, from what I know about our buddy Tom Del Beccaro out there and others, that they are already preparing for what they think might be done to try to upset the apple cart. Do I think it's going to be an honest and fair election? No, I don't. The question is is whether there's going to be enough of a turnout mm-hmm. to get rid of Nat, Gavin Newsom to, to tally beyond the level of corruption that's going to be there. Mm-hmm. That's always that's always the question now on anything that happens in a blue state. Will the voter turnout for the opposition be more than the fudge factor that they can perform in the short period of time they have to do it? Mm-hmm. So with what Gavin Newsom's pulled and the fact is that there's Democrats out there that want to recall him, there's a good possibility they can. Uh, but it's all going to depend on voter turnout. But is it going to be right. free and fair of corruption? No. I've heard it's ten percent. You have to allow for corruption. Is that about right? It's a ni- it's it's a nice cushion there, but you know, being someone who likes to win by overwhelming uh, overwhelming numbers, I'd like to see fifteen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Getting you know, seeing as what happened in Georgia, 
with the special election. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see 15, but 10 is something to shoot for sure. Okay, well, we got a caller coming in. It's uh, one of our favorite question answers. Backgammon, Bob, what's on your mind? Yes, sir, Captain. Did they pass the infrastructure bill? No. And it, they didn't pass it all. No. And did you see? Right, I got you. Did you see where they are? China has the first thorium based nuclear uh, reactor electrical plants out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's supposed to be a very good thing. And, uh, okay, that's it, Captain. All right, well, I'll go one up on you there. How about all these nuclear silos they're finding out China's got? Well, you know, China China does what China wants to do, and they don't necessarily have to be transparent about what they're doing. Nope. So there's a lot of things over there that have taken place that we aren't privileged about unless our intelligence community wants to out them for it. Mm-hmm. And today, with a sympathetic Washington, D.C., we don't get to hear a lot of what's happening in, in Georgia, or I mean in China. Um, I want to I circle back to the uh, the infrastructure bill. Okay. Two of the most egregious things in the world happened with that. The cloture vote and what's about to happen this week. Schumer wants to move it this week. Mm-hmm. No one read the bill. Right. The cloture vote, the bill wasn't even written yet. Mm-hmm. And now they've unleashed a 27, and, the, and it hasn't been published yet. It got leaked yesterday. A 2,700-page yep. bill right. that he wants to move this week will give no one the chance to read it before they vote on it. Yep. We should call and say, if you pass this, you're never getting elected again. Well, here it is, 202-225-3121, 202-225-3121. One more time, 202-225-3121. That is the switchboard for the United States Senate. Call them up, give them your zip code, you'll get one of your two senators. Yeah, we we this process of just, okay, we're going to pass it, and then we'll find out what's in it, that, that, that famous line by Nancy Pelosi, that process has to come to a screeching halt because mm-hmm. it's starting to happen all too often. This is, a, this is an over $1 trillion bill they're trying to move, and no one knows what the hell is in it mm-hmm. because it wasn't written when it went through cloture. These things are supposed to go committee, through committee to be crafted. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be behind closed doors by special interest. Oh, look, this legislation just popped up. It's 2,700 pages long, and you got four days to try to consume it. You'd have to have a poli-sci class in college and divide up that bill between like 35, 40 kids who understand how to read legislation to try and summarize this stuff before you would even be able to talk about it for mm-hmm. four days. Yep. Never going to happen in Congress. We, and, and, and this is egregious. We have to stop it. Okay, well, we got to go, and I got to talk to you on Friday, but here's the one last little note here. Joe Manchin's not said how he's going to vote for this, so maybe there's some hope. Maybe. Stay All well, right. my friend. Talk to you Friday, my friend. All right. Frank Salvato, undergroundusa.com. Check it out, undergroundusa.com. I'll be right back with Patrick Hyland, the Sports Zone quarterback. Don't go anywhere. When you need to know, the Captain's America Third Watch is the place to go. Overnight, live, 2 to 6 a.m. Eastern Time on this station. More common sense, conservative talk. Don't forget to check out everything we do over at undergroundusa.com. Please sign up for the newsletter so that the Silicon Valley overlords can't keep you from us or us from you. We'll be right back. After this, you're listening to Underground USA.
This portion of Underground USA is brought to you by Del Vecchio Defense Instruction, DDI. Hit your bullseye with DDI. DDI offers NRA certified instruction in basic pistol safety, NRA pistol marksmanship simulator training, women on target, and their non-lethal refuse to be a victim program. You can also engage in DDI's non-lethal defense training, where they have warrior workshops, empower hour, safe showings workshops, safe hearts workshops, and damsel sister safety. To find out more, log on to bullseyeddi.com. That's bullseyeddi.com. Or email Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E, at bullseyeddi.com. Choose your savings at Excel Federal Credit Union. We're ready to help you get behind the wheel of your next car or truck with two ways to save on your auto loan from Excel Federal Credit Union. Rates as low as 0.99% APR for up to 60 months or up to $500 cash back. You can even refinance your current vehicle and take advantage of these great savings. Call or text APPLY to 770-441-9235 or go to excelfcu.org. APR equals annual percentage rate. Rates and terms subject to creditworthiness and our underwriting standards. Restrictions apply. See Credit Union for full disclosure. Where can you find unfiltered, entertaining financial advice? All Worth's Money Matters, because it's not your typical money show. This podcast answers your calls about investing and retirement and breaks down what the headlines mean for your 401k. Money Matters is a must listen and helps you think about your finances in a new way. Listen to All Worth's Money Matters wherever you find your podcasts. episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It's Monday, August 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Mr. Jason Moser. Good to see you. Good to see you. How's everything? Things are hopping. It's Merger Monday. Really, it's Acquisition Monday. We have one in the retail industry, but we are going to start with the story of the day and that is Square buying Afterpay, the Australian payments company, for $29 billion. This is an all-stock deal uh, that Wall Street appears to love because shares of Square are up 11%. Is that at all surprising to you that it's up 11%? A little bit, but I think it's also worth remembering, too, that with this release, they also released their quarterly results. And so I think there probably is... Maybe that is is part part uh, part where the enthusiasm uh, is coming from because it was a very good quarter, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But let's talk about the square the square uh, deal here with Afterpay because that I think is the bigger uh, headline. I think the skeptic uh, can look at this deal and, and say, "Well, Square is overpaying for something that's you know basically a feature." Uh, the glass half full investor might look at this and say, well, sometimes it's easier to buy it than to build it. We see that happen all the time. And in this case, they're buying a leader in a space that's lobbing up some very impressive growth numbers and they're keying in on something that people clearly want. Um, I, I, I kind of fall in the middle there. Like, I, I think this deal actually makes sense. I mean, I, I think they're paying through the nose for it, but I think there's a reason why they're paying through the nose for it. It's because they don't have time to sit back. And, and try to develop something on their own at this point, I would imagine, because buy now, pay later has turned into such a such a, a popular space. There's all sorts of demand there from all sorts of different different merchant partners. We saw PayPal recently build out this buy now, pay later feature in their app, right? 
that's 400 million some odd users. That's far, far bigger than where Cash App stands right now. So for me, part of this was time. Square feels like they cannot let any more time uh, go by without having a major presence in the space. This purchase gets them that presence immediately with a well-established business that knows what they're doing. Uh, $29 billion that they're paying basically around 60 times gross profit for Afterpay. Um, the flip side, hey, it's it's a great time for, for them to use uh, their, their stock as a currency, given where the share price is. Uh, so, so I, I think that's worth keeping in mind. But it is going to be something that you know, dilutes that share count close to twenty five percent. So this is a big, this is a big acquisition that that uh, they're going to need to make work. Is the buy now pay later space now at the level where every big financial company needs to be able to tell their board of directors, tell their shareholder base, tell themselves what their plan is? Because I can see some businesses saying, "No, we're not going into this." Um, I, so I, I think that if you are, you know, if you're a fintech, if you're in financial services, I think you need to be looking at what kind of options you might provide here, because I think the numbers show clearly there's demand for this. Now there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. It, it is a risky proposition if you get in there and you don't know what you're doing, because it's kind of like you're, you're having to kind of underwrite lending just, just through a little bit of a different lens. I mean, there's going to be people on the hook for paying you back. And if you're not charging interest, if you're not charging late fees, if you're kind of taking people at, at their word, there, there are some consequences that come with that. But I think that's why we're seeing everyone from PayPal to MasterCard and Visa. We're seeing Apple doing it with Goldman Sachs, right? Uh, it only makes sense to see Square do this. And, and the interesting part of that is that because Square is so uh, heavily tilted towards physical retail stores actually using that hardware and software, I think this is going to be a, a real opportunity to get out there uh, for the smallest of small businesses to be able to offer this key feature. I mean, it is it is absolutely a, a way to stoke engagement, uh, i.e., uh, purchases. Uh, but but there there is a right way and a wrong way to do it, and I think with Square. Again, sometimes buying it is the the better way to go, and at least they know in buying buying afterpay. I mean, they're getting a, a, a reputable player in the space that they they know what they're doing, and I think uh, that that can't be that can't be discounted. Longtime listeners will know that every once in a great while, we'll have Scott Phillips, our colleague from Motley Fool Australia, the host of the Australian version of Motley Fool Money, on this podcast, and. Uh, Go back to mid-November 2019. He was visiting us in Alexandria. He was on Market Foolery. I asked him for a couple of stocks in Australia that Americans should know about. And he talked about Afterpay. And I'll just point out that in mid-November of 2019, shares of Afterpay were in the low 30s. <laughs> and today, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $115 a share. Yeah. Um, let, let's get to the quarter because Square was going to report on Wednesday, and they moved that up because of this deal. Gross profits in the second quarter, 91% higher than a year ago. Yeah, I could see some enthusiasm for the stock. Yeah, and I mean, it's 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 worth remembering, of course, this is a bit of a rebound quarter because at this time last year, uh, clearly the retail environment, particularly the physical retail environment, was a much, much different one. Um, so, so that explains some of these numbers. But I mean, to your point, you have, you have total net revenue, four point six eight billion dollars. That was up one hundred forty three percent from a year ago. You exclude Bitcoin from that; it's still up eighty seven percent 
from a year ago. And, and so, I mean, the numbers, Cash App, again, just really uh, delivering tremendous numbers. Cash App generating uh, better than $3.3 billion in revenue, better, better than $540 million in gross profit. That was up 177% and 94%, respectively. Uh, gross payment volume, and we've seen oftentimes we've seen that growth in that 24, 25, 30% range, maybe. Gross payment volume, $42.8 billion. That was up 88% from a year ago. Again, rebound quarter. That, that number is to be expected, but those are still really impressive numbers. And, and frankly, I mean, I think you have a very, uh, a very well-established uh, company here with an app in, in Cash App, they're, they're building out the capability, the functionality. And I tell you, what this really feels like it's shaping up to be is the battle of the super apps. Because we've, we've heard with PayPal, we heard it last week in, in their earnings call, this, this, this concept of a super app where you can go get everything in your financial life done within that one PayPal universe. I mean, Square is coming up with that same capability. They're a little bit behind, right? But they're still investing at a very, very rapid clip, and they're pulling it off. I mean, they're, they're getting more users in. Um, it was interesting to note that in regard to Cash App, and I mean, that's really just such an important part of the business for a lot of reasons, but for Cash App, inflows per monthly transacting active customer nearly doubled compared to two years ago. Okay, so I mean, we would expect that number to be to be significant based on on just a year ago, but nearly double from two years ago. And so, ultimately, the reason why that matters is the growth in those inflows are ultimately what that's the primary driver of the Cash App gross profit growth. And so, they want to see more and more of those deposits coming in. Is it is it fair to assume that maybe we see a lull in those inflows as stimulus uh, stimulus starts to wear off? Yeah, perhaps. But still, once you get them in there. If you can hit them with all sorts of different capabilities and services and features, well, that's really the idea at the end of the day, is to get them in and keep them in. And if you can look at that uh, that inflows metric as a bit more of a long-term sort of, of, of concept there, something you want to just focus on uh, over the longer haul, uh, I, I think that's going to ebb and flow. But really, it's about getting those users in there and, and keeping them. And it seems like Square is doing a good job of that. Before we move on, can I tell you what I hate about all of this? Yes. And by all of this, I mean Square buying Afterpay and Square moving up their earnings announcement. <laughs> What's that? I was going to buy Square this morning. Oh. I bought a bunch of stocks today. Square was on the list. And last night, the news broke. And I thought, well... <laughs> and and, and I, I apologize to the Square shareholders, including you. But I, I thought to myself... Well, hopefully the stock drops ten percent on this price tag, and I can buy it. I can buy it later at a cheaper price. But, yep, I was going to buy it this morning. And I, you know, it's funny that that happens to us sometimes. And I mean, I think it's it's always worth remembering uh, for listeners who aren't familiar. I mean, we have. A, we have internal trading guidelines that basically dictate when we can buy and sell. We have to shut up about them. We have to maintain a silent period. And, and when things are uh, locked down in our universe for, for potential services, we're not able to, to transact. So we, we do jump through some hoops. And, and I mean, you know, listen, I expect nothing less than that from you, Chris. I mean, you're one of the most stand up guys I know. And so to, to just to see that you, you're looking out for the dozens first and foremost. And that really tells us all we need to know, but it's something I already knew, buddy. It's something I already knew. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I just hope I get, you know, an 11% bump when I finally do buy it. Um, 
Well, let's move on to retail. Foot Locker is spending $1.1 billion to buy two smaller athletic apparel retailers. And yes, I did already make the joke in my mind when I saw the story. Foot Locker <laughs> has a billion dollars to spend? Um, but they do. They're buying WSS, which is based in California. They're buying Atmos, which is based in Japan. And all kidding aside, uh, these are retailers with locations that are mainly in urban neighborhoods. Foot Locker is trying really hard to get out of malls. And I get that the stock is down a little bit. Maybe that's due to the price tag. But just from a strategy standpoint, this seems like a smart move. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I do think this is a smart move. I think Foot Locker is a very interesting business from the perspective of you know, we talk often about time in the market is far more important than timing the market. Um, and Foot Locker is one of those cases where maybe that's not necessarily the case, right? Because you look at the business here, you look at their financials, and, and if you if you look at their financials, you don't even know what business you're looking at. I mean, I think you'd walk away looking at an income statement from Foot Locker, and you'd be like, well, it just seems like a business is kind of spinning its wheels. It's not really able to grow. It's not making any progress over the last several years. But it does look like recently they've been able to to start to pick things up a little bit. And that makes sense, of course, with, with reopening and whatnot. But if you look at the last five years for Foot Locker, it's not been a good idea. It's been a bad investment. You've actually lost money, and the market is better than better than uh, returned better than one hundred percent over that same same period of time. If you look at three months or three years, yeah, Foot Locker, you, you've brought it. You've made eighteen percent. Market's still beating you with with fifty six, fifty seven percent returns. But then you start looking at the one-year chart, you start looking at the year-to-date chart, and you start to see a business. This has been one where maybe it's a bit, maybe it's been a good value investment, right? Maybe if someone identified that there was a point here where the stock was mispriced based on its potential, because over the last year the stock has almost doubled, uh, it's having a very good year-to-date as well. And maybe this is a deal that helps them continue that. Um, I mean, to your point, this gives them some additional geographical uh, coverage that they didn't have before. And uh, the other thing I, I look at with any of these businesses in retail, even the legacy brands, is you want to see if they have any kind of a digital presence. I mean, it is they have to be able to move beyond that physical mall-based store. And, and interestingly enough, if you look at the last quarter results for Foot Locker, their digital business is is pretty strong. I mean, it was up 43% from the previous year and represented about 25% of total sales for the quarter. That was actually higher than those that beat management's expectations. And so they have a strong app. They have a loyalty program there, the FLX or the Flex uh, app loyalty program they have there, the 20 million members now enrolled where that program is active. So they've clearly made some investments to that digital uh, digital presence and I think bringing bringing some more brands under their own, their umbrella. I mean that that certainly gives them a chance to expand their customer base, uh, which is ultimately what they need to focus on doing. So maybe maybe there are some better days ahead for Foot Locker. It's great context because, um, yeah, this has been a challenged business over the past five, ten years. And that those digital numbers you cited, including the loyalty uh, program, that's that's higher than I would have guessed. Isn't so, it? you know, maybe maybe they can keep this going. But historically... This is one of those stocks when it's had a good run over a shorter period of time, that was the time to sell. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is not the same as something like a Crocs, which is very specific, right? They've got something unique. I mean, Foot Locker isn't really unique from that perspective. Um, if you're a Nike guy or a Nike gal, then maybe you're thinking, I'm going to just buy it directly from Nike, and they've got that sneakers app. Or if you're an Under Armour fan, then maybe you're just buying those shoes directly from Under Armour. I mean, I know that a lot of my shopping behavior is kind of direct to consumer now in a lot of cases. Um, and so that's going to be a challenge. I think that Foot Locker is going to have to continue uh, to to battle. But I do. I mean, I mean, shoes are everybody's got. Everybody needs shoes, you know. And, and I mean, so that, that that is a big market opportunity out there. And if you can bring more choice under that umbrella, and, and you have a way to reach out to your customer uh, in that in that in that mobile uh, sort of paradigm today, well, that that is that's going to at least give you a fighting shot. Jason Moser, great talking to you. Thanks for being here. You got it. Thank you. As always, people on the program have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Join me, Helga Davis, on my podcast, Helga, the Armory Conversations, for everyday conversations with extraordinary people. Listen to Helga, the Armory Conversations, wherever you get podcasts. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Brian Lehrer on WNYC. And to finish up today, here's a question for the beginning of August. Who should be able to access a public beach? Well, in theory, everyone, of course. But if a public beach is hard to get to, except for a select group of people who live nearby, then that public beach begins to seem a lot more like a private one. And in that case, should everyone's taxpayer dollars go toward maintaining it? These are the sorts of questions at the heart of opposition toward a new federal resiliency project to extend the boardwalk at Rockaway Beach from where it ends now at 126th to 149th Street through the wealthier communities of Neponset and Bell Harbor. The city says the new project will protect the area from storm surges and make the beach more accessible to people using strollers or wheelchairs by adding ADA-approved ramps. But residents living in the affected neighborhoods are organizing to oppose the project, citing concerns about boardwalk culture and loss of privacy. They're threatening to sue to keep their portion of the Rockaways, in effect, private. With me now is Julianne Cuba, reporter for Streets Blog. Her piece on this is called Residents of Rockaways Enclave Oppose Better Access to Their Semi-Private Public Beach. Julianne, welcome to WNYC. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Can you describe in a little more detail what the city and the Army Corps of Engineers plan to build and why now? Sure. So it's a $250 $250 million project um, to extend the boardwalk, as you said, from 126 to 149th. It's actually wouldn't be the width of the current boardwalk that exists now. It would be five feet wide, which is what some residents are 
citing as their concerns. Um, and it would also include zigzagging ramps that would take beachgoers from the street down to the actual beach. Why does the boardwalk currently stop where it does if there's a public beach beyond it? So the that portion of the beach um, was actually privately owned, not part of the city jurisdiction um, up until the mid-1900s, and it was acquired in parcels, um, you know, from through the early 1900s to the mid-1900s. Um, and according to an article dating back to that time, um, the residents did not want to pay for it. They allegedly wanted the board box, but they didn't want to have to pay for it. They wanted the city to pay for it themselves. Um, and then after Sandy, when it was acquired by the city, the Parks Department said that there was some local opposition to extend the boardwalk um, through 149th, where then where Jacob Brees starts. We have time for a couple of phone calls. Anybody listening from Neponset or Bell Harbor? What do you think about this proposed resiliency project? If you oppose the boardwalk extension through this section of the beach, why do you oppose it? Do you think it'll bring a rowdy culture? Do you think the project itself is flawed, that the construction is too narrow, like some residents have complained? Or basically, how do you defend opposing a public boardwalk project through portions of a public beach, 646-435-7280, 646-435-7280, or anybody from the rest of the Rockaways, 646-435-7280 for Julianne Cuba from Streets Blog. So the neighborhoods of Bell Harbor and Neponset have an average median household income, I see, of over $100,000, more than twice the rest of the communities that line the boardwalk, how much has their relative wealth played a role politically, their power, in keeping them from having a boardwalk up until now? Well, I think it's, um, you know, what we see in the rest of the city. It's people who are showing up to community boards who have the ear of uh, our elected officials and have the time to, you know, organize and oppose projects, whether that's like hiring an attorney to suss out their options or um, just being able to oppose it and have the power um, of being able to stop a project. According to the Rockaway Rave, 84% of more than 1,000 Bell Harbor residents surveyed said they were completely opposed to the construction of the walkway. So it sounds like fierce and widespread opposition there. Uh, and some of the residents you talked to who oppose the project say they didn't want the boardwalk because they didn't want, quote, boardwalk culture coming into their neighborhoods. Uh, can, you just, can you translate boardwalk culture? Are you taking that as a racial thing or just a rowdiness thing? How do you understand that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a dog whistle for, um, you know, racial undertones. Um, I think the, as you said, the residents of those communities are wealthier, um, you know, mostly white communities as compared to the rest of the boardwalk, which is more diverse. Um, so, you know, the rest of the boardwalk has, um, 
music, people walking, you know, playing, like eating. There's a lot of concession stands, whereas now in um, Bell Harbor and Aponset, there there is none of that. It's like in essence private. Um, I was out there last week, and you know, it's definitely quieter. Um, so I do think that it is uh, a dog whistle for. Here's a caller who used to live in the Rockaways, Ron in Manhattan. Ron, you're on WNYC. Thank you for calling in. Hi. Um, I couldn't agree more with the whole dog whistle racism thing. The other thing I think that should be pointed out is the snob parking regulations that say you cannot park on the streets in Bell Harbor and the Ponset from May until September, which clearly is, again, a way of keeping the riffraff out because we don't want to have brown people or other people on our beaches. It's just so obvious. That's one of the reasons I moved away. From May to September, it's alternate side of the street, uh, private beach parking. Um, And you write about the difficulty in getting to that part of the Rockaways public beach, even if you have a car in your article, right, Julianne? Yeah. um, So, I mean, there is bus accessibility and the ferry to take people there, but there is no street parking during summer of the weekends, which is, I think, something that dates back to the 1950s and the origins of which are not exactly clear. More on the parking policy, I think, from Adam in Brooklyn. You're on WNYC. Hi, Adam. Hi. I think I wanted to make the same point that your last caller made. I was talking to your screener at the time, but it's about the the, the parking policy, which seems to be ridiculous. Uh, Again, there's that, you know, no summer weekend parking. And also all the the roads uh, to the beach are technically fire lanes at all times. Again, I think that is a questionable, you know, safety, public safety policy, and it's more of, again, keeping certain people out. And it's been that way uh, as long as I can remember. The boardwalk, you know, aside, there's other uh, more obvious longstanding policies in the city that are in place there that do just this. Adam, thank you very much. So, Julianne, despite not being accessible to the rest of New York City, what does the city pay for in terms of, of maintaining this area of what is technically public beach? So if once the walkway is constructed, the Parks Department will be in charge of providing maintenance to it. Um, And it does provide the lifeguards that are there now. Um, And I think just general parks cleanup um, and the Moby Mets. But the federal government will pay for the actual construction. So... In our last minute, what happens next? I see the Bell Harbor Homeowners Association, along with other members of the community, may sue to stop the project. Uh, Is that where the next round plays out in court? I don't know if there is any precedent for a project such as this being stopped by a community. Um, The former president that I spoke to did say that they were considering doing that. Um, I guess we will see. We will have to leave it there with Julianne Cuba, reporter for Streets Blog. Her piece on this is called Residents of Rockaway's Enclave Oppose Better Access to Their Semi-Private Public Beach. Juliana, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Brian. The Brian Lehrer Show is produced by Lisa Allison, Mary Croak, Zoe Azale, Amina Serna, and Carl Boisron. Zach Goddard-Cohen works on our daily podcast. 
That was Milton Ruiz Marrero. No, Milton Marrero Ruiz at the Audio Controls today. I'm Brian Lehrer. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.